everybody it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download the second episode of the 2019 season we got a new partner today Mike we do we do Mac Weldon oh you've been excited about yeah this. promotion code Dale Jr. no space we'll talk about all that later also we got a great guest today Tony Stewart's in the house smoke before we get to our guests let's talk about one of our old school partners man yes. pristine auction it's a uh, auction website where you can buy sports memorabilia and I can't say that word. Can you say it? Memorabilia? Memorabilia. You've had it, man. That ain't right. the only word you don't say very well. I, I don't say that word well. I don't say authenticity well or authenticated. That's you said right. it well there. Right. All right. Those are, and they're all in this read <laughs> right. every single week. Anyways, pristineauction.com. They offer daily auctions for this sports memorabilia. <laughs> I'm never going to Memorabilia? <laughs> Listen, go get your memorabilia. It's authenticated. All of their auctions start at one dollar. This means they're going to end soon. That's right. You know why? Know. You know because they, they start. <laughs> they start. There's, there's no way. There's, Sunrise and sunset. There's no waiting around. Hurry up. Go check it out. In addition to the daily auction, they also have several other formats, including a ten-minute auction. So it's like something pops up. You got ten minutes to bid. It's rapid fire. You're going to get this item quickly. It's going to be yours. It's going to happen fast. There's a lot of cool stuff on there too. There's an eight by ten on there right now. Not your average eight by ten either. It's from the movie Cars, and it's Daryl Waltrip's character, Daryl Cartrip. This is like the worst freaking item they could possibly have on this website. Is it? Now this one I did pick out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it did. Now the story comes. The this is like the worst item. It's just because it's an eight by ten. You don't like eight by tens, or is it just because it's Daryl Cartrip? Who the hell wants this? Well, it's a it's a great movie. <laughs> my kid would love it. Oh my god! I would bid on it for my kid. It's not. I might do it now just because. It's an 8x10. It's not your average 8x10. That's, <laughs> that's for damn sure. Here's the upside, though. If it starts at a dollar, the Daryl Carter probably will end at a dollar, too. It's so $10 right th- now. It's $10? $10 Are right you, now. Whoa. That's the current bid? Yeah, look on your sheet. All right. On. Okay, I stand corrected. Daryl Walter, I'm sorry. Uh, the 8x10 of Daryl Carter. Well, Daryl probably bid on it. That's why it's at $10. That's why it's at $10, because DW is in there bidding it up. Oh, my gosh. Go check out pristineauction.com now. You'll be hooked. It's free to register. It's free to bid. You only pay for the items you win. And when you register, please be sure to select the Dale Jr. Download Podcast from the drop-down menu, or Pristine's not going to sponsor us anymore. So you got to let them know that's how you heard about us. And uh, have a lot of fun. Go check out some of the items. They got some great stuff on there. It's all real deal. That's right. If it's autographed, it's autographed by that specific person. No BS, no fakes. That's right. PristineAuction.com. You notice he, how he's creatively got around the word authenticity. I that know. was good. I was doing everything real I could. Deal. To yeah, dance you're like a broadcaster around, or something. Dance around that one. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's bring him in. Let's bring in Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart, indeed, Stewart wins the championship. Look up racing in the dictionary. We're racing here. Stewart and Edwards, first and second, winner, takes the championship. I'm going to bust his ass. I'm going to bust his ass. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. That's awesome. Matthew Gilner puts those together. He does a good job. 
Yeah. Sound fun. Sounded fun. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Stewart is here. I'm excited about this. Um, thank you for coming, first off. Um, so this is, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast right now. They're thrilled you're here. Uh, you're retired, just like me. Uh, one of the things, I want to start off our conversation, really, because um, I'm curious. What are you doing? What do you do? <laughs> what do you do during the week? You're an owner of a cup team. You own a racetrack. You own a series for sprint cars. Uh, you just came from Daytona, I imagine. Uh, you got a posse with you. Uh, what are you? And you're going to Indi- you're going to back home to Indiana today. I'm trying to go home to Indiana today at some point. <laughs> what is your What does your week look like? Well, it, it just depends. I mean, the last three weeks I've pretty much lived in Florida because I've been racing my sprint car. I've already ran ten races this year already. Right. So um, I've been to Ocala, I've been to Volusia, been to East Bay. Um, this weekend we go to Florida. Well, we got another race in Florida in the Panhandle this weekend. So we're all over the place. I literally go home this afternoon. I'm home for one day tomorrow. I've got a Ollie's Outlet Store grand opening on Wednesday in Tennessee. I've uh, got a Coke dinner on Thursday. Then we're at the big track Friday. Friday night I go to Florida race, come back to Atlanta, be there Saturday for the Xfinity race, fly back to Florida to race Saturday night, and then back to Atlanta for Sunday. And so you love it. Absolutely. So why, with all the things that you have from a business standpoint, do you race? Why do you race so much? that's all I really want to do. I mean, the rest of it has to fit in around that. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's like I told everybody when I quote unquote retired, I mean, when I quit driving a NASCAR and went back to run sprint cars, it's, I get the best of both worlds now. So I get to, I mean, I literally have 99 races on my schedule this year that I'm racing. I'm probably going to add four or five more uh, in the next couple of weeks working with another owner. Uh, but that's just what I love to do. I mean, I, and, and you know, I mean, you've been a driver. If you're going to be good in anything, you've got to be doing it all the time. And running the wing sprint cars that I'm running, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are a lot better than me right now. And the only way I'm going to get caught up and, and be competitive with these guys is to be racing every possible night I can race. That's, Did he say 99? Yeah. He said 99. So help me. Help, that's not, that brings up something. We had Casey Kane on the show last year, and he talked about that. As he starts to get back into running sprint cars, how he needs to run for a, a long, repeated, you know, yes. races, race after race after race, just to get to where he feels like he can be competitive. Now, I feel like that I could get in a cup car and do as good as I did right out of the gate. But in a sprint car, it's not possible. So tell me why that you think you need all those races to where you can get competitive. There's just so many good drivers and so many good teams out there. but And it all depends on where you go race. It was weird because I – my background wasn't really in wing cars. It was non-wing sprint cars and midgets. And I could show up at a brand new track and go out and break a track record. It was, it wasn't a big deal. When I got into wing cars, they're easier to drive because you got the downforce and the side force of the wing on top. So it's easy to drive them, but it's hard to be really, really good and really fast in them. And I, I don't know, I don't know why that is, but when we've hired drivers like Donnie Schatz to come run our World of Outlaw team, We've always picked drivers that have been around the circuit at least one year because they know the tracks, and there's just something about having that experience in those cars, and they're so momentum-driven of just knowing how the tracks change, where to be on the racetrack, when to move off the bottom lane, get to the top lane, just how things change through the night. It's it's different than pavement racing, but there's just so many good guys in different regions of the country that you're racing against that, you know, 
last week at East Bay in Tampa, I mean, there's guys that race there every week. Well, those guys know exactly what that racetrack's going to do every night, or they can look at it after the B main and say, this is what this thing's going to be for the A, and this is how we need to adjust our car. I got to go up there, and I got to guess on what it's going to do and sit there and go, well, it looks like it's going to do this yeah. and, and make our educated guesses. So that's why it's, I think it's so tough. And, and that repetition that Casey said is exactly right. I mean, it's hard to sit there and just go run one night a week and be good in it. If you can get an opportunity to go race two or three nights that are in a row, that is a huge advantage for us to kind of get back in, in the swing of things and get back, get that feel back. Yeah. Who's your hero? A.J. Foyt. Why is A.J. Foyt your hero? He's a badass. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 like us. I mean, he just – when when that, when you got a guy that'll get out of an Indy car that's running 220 mile an hour and he'll take a hammer and start whacking on the right front <laughs> yes. suspension with a hammer and then climb back in and drive it, uh, you know. But AJ was a guy that it didn't matter what kind of car he got in, whether it was an Indy car, whether it was a, a midget or sprint car, whether it was a NASCAR, he could get in and just he, – he didn't – he could win in everything, but, I mean, he was always fast in everything that he got in, no matter what kind of car it was. So how – so we see a lot of guys try to come from Indy car and open wheel and get into stock cars and, and struggle a lot of times. How were you able to do it? <laughs> well, I think, you know, at the time that I went to Indy car, I had also had started in NASCAR at the same time. So it really wasn't that I was an Indy car guy that tried to come over to NASCAR. It was – I was at a fork in the road, and I got to go down both sides at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I went from being a midget and sprint car guy and had the feel of cars that I had in there to all of a sudden having to learn an Indy car over here and learning a stock car over here at the same time. But I think it's a lot easier to go from a stock car to an Indy car than it is to go from an Indy car to a stock car. I mean, the the downforce and the, the grip that the Indy cars have – is pretty incredible. Now they've had a package this past year where they took a lot of downforce off on the ovals. And I mean, you want to talk about guys that had their hands full and you could tell they were having to hold their breath at times. I mean, they, they had their hands full, but, uh, to take them out of a lighter weight car and put them in a heavy stock car, it's a lot harder adjustment, I think. Yeah. So what other drivers besides Foyt did you idolize? Do you have like a Mount Rushmore that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Steve Kinzer uh, on the sprint car side. I mean, Steve just was kind of like your dad was. I mean, he just won everything. He won the Knoxville Nationals a ton. He won a a ton of championships, and he's still the winningest driver in wing sprint car racing. Uh, Doug Wolfgang, your father, um, Mark Martin. And and Mark Martin, the tie with Mark is because of Cummins Engine Company that is in my hometown of Columbus, Indiana. Oh. When he was driving for Roush, that Cummins logo was on the car, and so you automatically felt that tie because I lived in that hometown. So, uh, you know, Mark was a guy that I really liked, and you know, felt like he was a, he was pretty cool. You're known for your fiery attitude. I've experienced it for a time or two um, <laughs> on the receiving end. I don't, I or just <laughs> just watch from the sidelines, or both. Both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to see how he was going to handle this. Well, I mean. <laughs> So do you know, do, do you know like a rough number of how many drivers you've had a physical altercation with? Oh, God, no. I don't have enough fingers. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> to count. I won't even name names here, but there's rumors that you physically attacked people in the NASCAR haulers. Is that true? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Come on. I don't what? know what you're talking about. Wow. There might have been one day that somebody, like, <laughs> like uh, Bobby Allison said, I mean, somebody kept running their face <laughs> <Yeah>. into my <laughs> hand for some reason. But 
I don't, I don't, I don't recall. Yeah. Well, wait, wait a second. Hmm. You guys had an, hmm. an in hauler altercation that I didn't think that you guys yourselves got into a physical. I think it was more your crew yeah. chiefs. Right? We didn't, but we we were the. There was a match flame that was here, and we were the ones that put the gallon of gas on top of it, <laughs> and then got out of the way to watch it flare up and watch our guys do all the rest of the work with each other. So yeah, I, um, me and Tony Stewart racing at Pikes Peak. Uh, I was trying to pass Tony and running into him over and over and over. And he finally punted me down into turn one on a restart. And they asked us to come to the NASCAR hauler. And so we went there, and there was an altercation and pushing and shoving between me and his crew chief. And Tony Sr. was kind of in it, and, and uh, Stuart, he was in it. Uh, but nobody really ever got popped or anything. And then we didn't have time because if you remember right, I still had to run a super modified right after that. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. After that race was over, we get called to the NASCAR hauler and. I'm like, I, I, yeah. I still got a race go. here. Yeah. No wonder y'all didn't get into it. He had other things to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, time but, to mix it up. But here's you. the thing. It, it really wasn't, you know, this was at a point when we were in, at the time, the Bush Grand National Series. And yeah. Dale's background in the sport, he understood the etiquette a lot better than I did at that point. I didn't, I didn't really understand it. And, you know, what he was doing trying to get around, I mean, I, he was definitely faster than me. But I wasn't used to, I wasn't used to the etiquette of, you know, you kind of got the warning a couple times, and then you get moved out of the way the third or fourth time. So I was still learning that part of it. Well, I here he is hammering on me, and I'm I'm not picking up the hint, you know, that <laughs> I need to get out of the way and just let him go, and and then figure it out later <laughs> on down the road. And I'm just still racing his guts out, and and that's just the way the open wheel racing that I came from. That's the style of racing that I came from, because he was he was actually nice about it, you yeah. know, because he you've had eight opportunities to just flat dump me and be done with it yeah. and never put me in that spot. And, and I remember trying to pass him on the inside of three and four and I kept getting loose and sliding up. And the only thing that was saving me was him. And it kept happening over and over and over. Cause I could <laughs> so get bouncing off of yeah, him. Like I would slide into him and, and, uh, and, it, and over and over and over. But anyways, uh, so he looked at it as you doing him a favor. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes and no. If I was doing him a favor, I'd have just lifted at the end of the straightaway and let him go. But I, I just didn't know any better at the time, honestly. Yeah. And and actually, it was that conversation that we had in the trailer that that kind of started making me. I mean, when we're when you're when you get called to the NASCAR hauler, you obviously have a little more time to think about why am I in here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what did I do to get myself in this position? So that actually started the process, and and we actually had time to talk about it there. And isn't that how y'all met? Next. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, the, cornerstone that, of any. That was friendship. the first time yeah. that I'd ever. I mean, I I thought a lot of Tony because he had, you know, he's a champion in in Indy and he's coming over here and he was very good and he was in good cars and I'm like, this guy's gonna be around for a long time. Gonna be gonna be racing him for a while, but yeah, that was the first time we met was when we got called to the hauler. Next week we're at Milwaukee. I'm walking into the pits and Tony walked up to me. I would have never done this. Um, so it, it would have probably been awkward for a long time if it was up to me, but he came up to me on Friday morning before the first practice and said, Hey man, we're going to be racing each other a long time. So let's be friends. Let's not run into each other anymore. And, and let's not drag this out. Do you remember this? Yeah. He's like, that's exactly what he says. I got no problem with you. I'm cool. Let's just be cool. And y'all been cool. And we've been cool. Yeah. So we have, that was really, uh, I would have never done that. No, you wouldn't have. No, no, no so, I know that. <laughs> you wouldn't have done that. So that brings up a lot of people would say, over um, uh, um, in the early days, I guess when I was driving the Bud Eight car, that me and you were great drafting partners. Mm -hmm. We worked together quite a bit. Why do you think? Why do you think people said that? 
Well, the stats show it, first of yeah. all. I mean, that's yeah. the easiest part. But, you know, I, and I was telling somebody yesterday uh, while we were at Daytona that I had Bobby Labonte as a teammate at, at the time. And, you know, like what we're seeing in the era of NASCAR now where the manufacturer, all the teams uh, under a manufacturer umbrella are starting to work together. Yeah. So all the Ford teams are working together. And then actually we start, saw a new era start yesterday where there's such a small amount of Chevy teams and Toyota teams that they don't have the physical numbers of the Ford teams right. to team up. So Hendrick and Gibbs teamed up yesterday. And it just shows, it's just showing how the sport's evolving because it's no secret that Chevrolet absolutely hates Toyota. But here you got Chevy teams and Toyota teams working together because they know that this is the direction that they have to go after what we saw at Talladega last year. Right. So it's just the evolution of the sport. So I was telling somebody yesterday about that. And, and um, you know, my teammate was Bobby Labonte and, and, you know, they tried to get us to work together, and but the problem was Bobby was the one that kind of, and I kind of looked at him weird when he said it, and I, I took it personal, but he goes, you know, our, our ideas are different about how to do this. And he had an idea how to, how to run the restrictor plate stuff, and I had a different idea. Well, your idea how to do it and my idea were, were exactly in line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it just, I mean, literally it was one race that we got together, and he knew that, uh, and and. It worked a couple times, but we were always a lot more aggressive than everybody else was with what what we thought and where to go and when to go and why to go. But once he went and he knew that when he went that I was going to go with him, and that pattern, I mean, that, that just that's the way we ran the entire race, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter if we were going if we were going through three wide. It didn't matter if he went to the damn concession stand. I was <laughs> whatever he ordered, I was going to order behind him, <laughs> and that's the way we ran that whole race. And then after that, any time that we were together, and it didn't matter what the order was. We knew that if we got together that we had somebody that was going to go with us and, and yeah. knew that when we did something, why we were doing it. And so we were on the same page and in sync that way. And that's something that Bobby and I couldn't get hooked up that way and couldn't get in the same mindset. But, you know, everybody goes, well, why would you do that? Well, we're still racing for points. Right. And you still want to win, but there's so many variables that can keep you from winning a restrictor plate race. And to me, my mindset was I've got a guy that I know races – and runs this type of racing the way I like to run it. So even if I follow him and I push him to the win, I still get second place points. I still get second place money. I'm I'm giving myself the best opportunity to to get in the top two. Even if it's not the win, I'm still getting the best finish I can get out of it. And that's I mean that's what we did. I mean it got to the point to where they tried everything they could to separate us. Right. Guys would intentionally yeah. try to get us broke apart. Teammates. Yeah. <laughs> like actual teammates. I mean, it was always funny because uh, we had Jeff Gordon in here, and we asked him, like, you know, you and Dell didn't really draft together very much. <laughs> now, I didn't really like each other when it came to plate racing, and and it was a complete different philosophy. Yeah. He, he called it to a, a philosophy. They just – two different game plans. And neither one of you really strike me as the kind of people that want to be told what the rules to racing are before the race actually happens. I think you want to write them yourself yeah. and, and do it your own way. And I don't think the teammate thing was always jiving no. with either of you, right? Yeah, I hated teammates uh, at play tracks. I just hated to have responsibility to right. anyone. And but there are people, and it's, Tony was one of them. I, I can't even count them on one hand, uh, that you go out on the racetrack with in a plate race and you see them do something, you go, that's exactly what I would have done. And that's exactly what I want to do. And it and everything that he did, I'm like, yep, I'm I'm I was right there with you in in the train of thought. And it seemed like it was just come so natural 
when we would find each other at Talladega and Daytona, it's like, oh, hell, here we go. Because yeah. they ain't going to be able to stop this. And uh, it, it, it worked really good for a while. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. That 2004 race, uh, when you won your first Daytona 500, you and Tony were just – I mean, that was a race between two people, I felt. Yeah. And um, I, I, you know, I have a question that I've – About that? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I've always wanted to ask this question. So we're – I passed you down the back straightaway, and you didn't side draft me. I don't even remember it. I'd have to see it. I'll really? be honest. I'd have to see it to remember I've this. always wondered. So, yeah, we, we're going down the back straightaway, and I side-drafted you and had this momentum, but it was slow, you know, and it's a slow process of sort of going by you to try to get clear, and I was just, like, waiting for you to Who was behind me? Kurt was four or five car lengths behind yeah. us. Yeah. And it, but it was otherwise it, it was just me and you. It was just you two. With I'd about, have to watch what, it. I, I mean, see, to go it's a good so. question, but I have to look at it that to, if to, I, to if remember I run that. First or second, or if I, you know, in a race like that, I'd have never be able to forget it. Like, I, I would, I would, that's, it's interesting that, like, I can't lose those memories or, especially the ones I lose, especially the race There's, there's two Daytona 500s that absolutely stand out in my mind that I know I screwed up, yeah. or, or at least felt like I screwed up. And this is such a rookie mistake, and I wasn't even a rookie, and I can't remember what year it was, but I know I was leading the race. Jeff Gordon was second. That's when we still had the lead cars on the, the outside lane and the lap down cars on the inside. Mm. But by this time, there's nobody left a lap down. They're all, everybody's all in the lead lap. And I remember sticking my hand out the window, and when I got on the gas, waving him to go, and he just sat there and waited <laughs> for about a second. And by that time, I'm about eight car lengths out. I'm like, man, I just did the dumbest. And, and, and you know, I already knew yeah. – a hundred yards past the start finish line, what was going to happen? And, and and you have to sit there for about five to ten more seconds and wait oh, for man. your fate to get sealed here. Yeah. And I saw it. I'm like, man, I was so nervous because I was like, I'm in a spot where I could win this race, and I didn't even think about what I had set myself up for, which was absolute disaster there. And the other one was when Ryan Newman went by me when him and Kurt Busch were lined up together as teammates with Penske yes. and myself and, and Kyle Busch were lined up. And I remember seeing him coming, and I'm like, don't leave your teammate, don't leave your teammate, don't leave your teammate, don't leave your teammate. And I thought if I get up there, the f speed that they were running, I thought if I tried to get up there, I was gonna, I was probably going to get wrecked anyway. Right. But I sat there, and I'm like, when it doesn't work out for you, you're like, I'd rather get at least tried and got wrecked knowing I wasn't going to win it down. If I'd have known I wasn't going to win it down here, I'd at least tried it up there. Yeah. But those are two that absolutely just, mm. I cannot get it out of my head. Really? Even yeah. today? Uh, any other races like that? Any other things in racing or any, any regrets like that that sort of bother you today? Well, it depends on what day it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on where we're at. I mean, you know, uh, there's dirt races where, I mean, I lost two races last year in the sprint car on the last corner of the last lap. And this was at the same track, and the guy that beat me was the same guy both <laughs> nights. And it was two different set of circumstances. And I and the second time it happened, I'm like, I'm guarding against this. This is what happened to me on the last lap. And he just totally did something different. But both both of them, lap cars that got involved and broke our momentum, which that's, like I said, in a wing sprint car, that's a huge deal is that, that airspeed and momentum. Yeah. And you sit there, and you get back there, and your crew chief won't even look at you. And it's like you feel like such a failure when you do that. When somebody says raw talent, what does that what what does that mean to you? Well, I think there's guys that have raw talent, and I'll go I'll come back to it. Then there's taught talent. I mean, you can sit there and you can watch videos, you can study, you can talk to people. Raw talent are guys that don't have to think about what they do; they just get in and do it. It's but, it's not taught; it's just 
that's what they do. They get in and they do it. We talked about some drivers last week on the show that I thought had raw talent. Um, what's driver? What driver out there do you think has the most raw ability? In Cup right now, to me, it's still Kyle Larson. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Kyle that. Larson and Christopher Bell, and, and I'm not picking them because they're dirt track guys by any means, but you look at what Kyle does in a car – he overdrives everything he does, but he can still make it work. I mean, there's times he's got that thing sideways and saves it, and it's like there's not a lot of guys that could save it and push it that hard for that long and not make that mistake. And he still makes a mistake every now and then. But I've watched him when he was open-wheel cars before he got there, and he's like playing video games, and he just puts his phone down, gets in a car, and goes and races. He doesn't, <laughs> doesn't think about what he does. He just gets in and does it. Yeah. You know, and, and – there's just not a there's a handful of guys that fit in that kind of category. There's just not a lot of guys that, you know, Robbie Gordon was one that you and I both got to race with. Robbie had a lot of raw talent. Yeah. Now it was rough around the edges, <laughs> raw talent, but you could put Robbie in anything, and he could get he could get ninety ninety five percent of the way there like that. Yeah. And and there's just not a lot of guys that can do that. And it's, I think everybody has an amount of raw talent. But there's just a handful of guys that I think that just truly are pure, raw, talented drivers. Hey, Tony, I got a quick question for you. Uh, going back to Daytona, I mean, you got the results notwithstanding, I'm talking more in general. I've got a theory that Dale Jr., as an owner, doesn't particularly like watching restrictor plate races because it's just the weight of the wallet. Just seeing, you just hear that cash register seems like to go in. And, and Junior Motorsports does pretty good, won a race. Do you enjoy watching restrictor plate races as an owner? I didn't even like, and as bad as it is, I mean, as many races as we won at Daytona, I don't even, I didn't like even being in them, let alone watching them. Because like you said, and while you were starting that question, I'm sitting there going, ching, 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 ching. <laughs> Especially this week. Oh, yeah. It, and then I saw a stat last night. We were watching the, the basketball game, uh, the All-Star game last night, and there was a thing across the bottom. It said three drivers out of the whole race weren't involved in a wreck at some point during, wow. the, during the race yesterday. Jeez. 37 out of 40 cars were involved in a wreck at some point at the Daytona 500. That's crazy. And it's like you sit there and you just shake your head. It's so hard it, to look forward to, I would imagine, if I have this investment in, uh, and you're taking you know, basically half, half your fleet uh, to one race for a week, and then you go, and then it's just like you just know that they're coming, and you just hope to – that's no way to live. It's, well, it's, we're, it's, we're sitting there on the red flag, and Mike Bogoravich, that's the crew chief on the 14 car, we're sitting there, and he was talking about – when we won with Kurt, this is during the red. I mean, with like, I don't know how many laps to go. And Zippy's sitting to the left of me, and he's like, yeah. He goes, you know, you crashed three cars. He goes, but it made up for it when, when Kurt won. I just started laughing. I'm like, you obviously don't work upstairs where the finances are. Because with all three of those cars, what we won at the Daytona 500 didn't even pay for those three cars. Wow. So it's it, it, it's at a losing proposition when you go to Daytona. You're You are not going to make a dime. You're going to spend a bunch of money to go down there and tear did, a bunch did of I, stuff up. Did I assume incorrectly or am I right? My theory that you don't particularly enjoy watching those restricted uh, plate races. Depends on what position you're in. I actually do. I don't I, know that it does with him. I actually <laughs> do enjoy watching them. I didn't when I first was, when I first became an owner, I didn't. Uh, and we did. We tore up all our cars down there one year and it was like, um, like a, a tenth of our budget spent in one race, you know? And, uh, but every, I don't know. I kind of have loosened up over time. Okay. Um, you don't look it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we you, did you feel like you've pulled a pin on a grenade. Yeah. That's what it feels like. As soon as they drop the green flag the first time, you feel like you've pulled a pin out of a grenade and you're just waiting on it to go yeah. off at some point. I, I think I'd be a bad person to ask because we did end up winning 
Um, so you wouldn't own up to specifics on your physical altercations. Would you own up to ever having a cheat on your car, cheating in racing? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> in racing is cheating. I know that. Yeah. Will you, will you, do you have any stories of cheating? Like, so, for example, I will give you one of, I'll give you one of mine. So I, I put some trick fuel in my car uh, and went to Myrtle Beach and burnt the motor up as soon as I cranked it. <laughs> so I drove four hours to Myrtle Beach and burnt the piston out of the number one piston cylinder <laughs> That's awesome. and drove home. Because I didn't mix the fuel. Yeah. I went right to the bottom of the fuel cell. Oh, God, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'm going to tell my dad, because I didn't even know this. I was a kid. But, <laughs> you know, I, when I raced go-karts, the, the carburetor was a one-inch carburetor. Mm-hmm. So ran restrictor plates in the class that I had to run, and it was a 600,000 restrictor plate. Well, they had a, there was a spacer block in between that and, and the, the actual motor. And so what my dad had done is had somebody make a 600,000s hole in, in that plastic block, but it put a taper on it, like a cone. Yeah. And one week he ran it on one side of the plate, and the other week he ran on the other side of the plate. And, I mean, it obviously helped it a little bit, but we ran it, and then he did it two weeks in a row, and he took it off and never ran it again. But I like telling on my dad because my dad's 80 years old, and it's like role reversal now. Yeah. I'm being the parent, and he's the kid now. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, we, there were... That, that's the job of all of us yeah. in racing. I mean, that's been the history of racing is taking the rules that the sanctioning body gives you and trying to read between the lines. And anytime there's that there's an opportunity for interpretation, yeah. you are always going to take that opportunity. Absolutely. So. Being, a, being a track owner, you can appreciate this. In, some, in one of the last uh, late model races I ran down at Myrtle Beach, I told the head inspector that I didn't have much speed, so he brought me a plate to use for my carburetor. <laughs> and it was so gnarly, I was scared to put it on my car. <laughs> Looked like a beaver chewed on it the inside of it. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty bad. I have a favorite one of yours. Oh, what's that? I, I won't say what racetrack it was. Might have been a restrictor plate. But I remember Tony Jr. coming in and going, you want to win this race? I mean, do you really want to win this race? How much do you want to win this race? <laughs> and, and it was his, like, code. I, I don't even know if you remember that, but yeah. you're like, yeah, I want to win it. I want to win it. He's like, you don't don't matter what happens in the week. You want to win it? I want to win it. All right. Well, then we're gonna win it. That's funny. All, All right. Good. So with you coming on the show, we put a poll on our social media handle in honor of Tony Stewart being on the download. We want to know what your favorite smoke soundbite is, and they voted below. Um, <laughs> racing passing definition got nine percent votes. Talladega figure eight got twenty seven. This one's for the fans, got 10%. The Logano rant got 54%. Oh, the Logano oh, rant yeah. with uh, Steve Burns. Uh, yeah. It's, it's got to be classic. the classic, right? I mean, that's just the gift that keeps on giving you on have, YouTube. Do you, have some, <laughs> do you have some samples of those for the fans? Oh, yeah. Listening? I mean, of course. You know, for the people listening, you could still vote until Wednesday. Oh. So uh, that's a, oh. kind of a cool thing. But the racing definition one, we'll roll that one first. Is there anything that NASCAR or the IMS can do to create a little bit more passing uh, in these races? Because since 04, there just hasn't really been a lot of passing look up racing in the dictionary and tell me what racing says in the dictionary and then look up passing in the dictionary and tell me what passing is we're racing here so I, that's all i'm going to say this is racing not if you want to see passing we can we can go out on 465 and we can pass all you want <laughs> <laughs> 
Good one. Good one. And then, of course, um, Mike Massaro. I think you wrecked at Daytona, and and this happened. How much does this affect your chances of winning the 500? I I don't know, rocket scientist. I mean, I'm sitting here with a backup car. What do you think? (laughs) If we we wrecked, what what chances do you think we have now, dumb (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) And then uh, this one was after the second Brickyard win. I remember uh, standing next to you for this one. I thought this was cool. All right, you win again at the Brickyard. Tony, can you put this one in comparison to the last one? This one's for every one of those fans in the stands that pull for me every week and take all the bull from everybody else. <laughs> and, uh, hey, he I, can we work can play this all right day there. long, but that Talladega one, this is uh, Tony always gave us crap. Mike Arning's going to have a heart attack oh, he's right now listening this. to this because this like literally puts him back in therapy. He has to go to therapy for <laughs> Well, he's in this. He was in the Talladega oh, yeah. one. He was in the background, and he was like keeping that straight face. Sorry we couldn't crash more cars today. We didn't fill the quota for today for uh, Talladega and NASCAR. If we haven't crashed at least 50% of the field by the end of the race, we need to extend the race till we at least crash 50% of the cars. <laughs> Because it's it's not fair to these fans for them to not see any more wrecks than that and more tore up cars. I mean, we we still had over half the cars running at the end, and that's uh, it shouldn't be that way. I don't think any of the wrecks were an overheating issue. That's why I say I don't. I mean, I think we ought to just tape them off solid and run them until they blow up anyway. I think it'd make it a lot more exciting for the fans if we don't crash half of the field by the end of the race. They need to. They really need to extend it because. I mean, that's what, that's what the fans want. They want to see that excitement. It, it would have been a lot more fun if I could have got caught up in one more wreck. If I could have done that, it would have been perfect. I mean, I think if we could make it a figure eight, it'd be perfect. It would absolutely be perfect here. It'd be better than what we got. So that's, that's going to be my vote next week is that we get it, make it a figure eight and or we can go stop at the halfway, make a break, and turn around and go backwards the rest of the way. And then with 10 to go, we'll split the field in half, and half of them can go the regular direction, and half of them can go backwards. Oh, my God. Uh, see, NASCAR's made the adjustments. We crashed all but three cars yesterday. <laughs> the formula's working. Advice. The formula's working. Oh, and That's of course, a- uh, uh, the, the best one so far in the, in the whole eyes. thing. <laughs> I know we're all crying here. Well, Tony, what angered you at the end of the race? What did you take issue with? What the hell do you think I was mad about? Dumb little runs us clear down to the infield. He wants to about everybody else, and he's the one that drives like a little I'm going to bust his ass. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my Thanks, God. Tony. You know what that just reminded me of? It reminds that reminded me of AJ Foyt at Nazareth talking about Jeff Andretti. It oh, sounds almost that. it almost sounds to a T identical to AJ Foyt. Yeah. I was so mad at Joey. <laughs> Joey had a real big habit at that time of just absolutely running you all over the racetrack. And he literally ran me down to the grass where nobody had been all day at that part. You know, because we would all go down to the apron at start finish line at, at, at Fontana. But this was clear by the end of Pit Road. And I picked up so much stuff, and we were we were like, I don't know, fifth and seventh or seventh and ninth on the restart. And I finished twenty fourth. I lost so much time yeah. in that first lap trying to get tires cleaned back off to go. Oh, so mad. Is it, is that is that? I was your... more mad at my own crew guys <laughs> that were from. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember which team it was. Danica's team or Ryan's team. But I had Joey hemmed up, and I knew I knew where my guys were. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm way far away. They can't get to me. I didn't even think about my other teams, and one of them were about three spots away from where I had Joey hemmed up. I'm like, I got his ass now. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna dot his eye across his T. We're gonna we got this. And about that time, the big fuel guy grabs me by the collar and pulls me back like I'm a rag doll. And got, his or got yours? Me. Mine. Uh, Your his, guy. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And I I couldn't whip my own guy. No, no. Hey, that, hey that. not because not on a principle. I mean, it's sure you could try on a principle, but this guy was there. I couldn't whip him. Yeah, There's the, no way. The, he, he had he had me covered eight ways from Sunday on that. <laughs> is that is that your uh, Jack Hewitt moment? You think? I mean, Jack's got the the. You know, when you look back now, 
Yeah, run that soundbite. No. <laughs> run that soundbite here. <laughs> yeah, that that probably is my, uh, that's the closest thing to my Jack Hewitt moment was there. I, I was just so mad about it because it's like, daggone it, just, you know, it, and when we started, we got taught, we got taught etiquette. And, and if you didn't do it the right way, you got dumped and you got part, you know, you were sitting there at the wall trying to crank your car. You had enough time to figure out why you got wrecked and what you did wrong. And, and then they'd come after the race and tell you, this is why I did this. This is, this is what you weren't doing right. And then the, the, every new generation that keeps coming in, there's less and less of that etiquette. Yeah. And they just race you like a And it's like, it's hard to sit there when you've been taught a certain way to do it and from your peers and then all of a sudden, new guys come in, and they just like, oh, we, we that's not the way we do it anymore. But even, you know, I think the day that I finally said, okay, I got to put this out of my head that this is how we do things anymore was when Jeff Burton was like, they just, we just don't race like that anymore. They don't, nobody races like that anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, if Jeff Burton's saying that, then it's, you better just give up the idea that this is going to get fixed because it's not going to get fixed, and it's, you just got to figure out how to adapt to how we do it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can top those sound bites, man. Oh, I, 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 there, there are way more. There are way more. Yeah. I mean, there, like, there is the, an encyclopedia. The, the, the meat, of, oh, geez, yeah. and we, and we like thank that. you. I know that. No, I don't, right? Yeah. Yes, like, you're it, a national hero. Absolutely, for this. a treasure. <laughs> I'm telling you. Don't confuse bravery with <laughs> stupidity. No, all right. I'm telling you. I'm, it's, well, do you regret any of them? Oh God, yeah. You do. Every really? Sunday night and Monday morning, when Mike Arning's ripping my ass about it <laughs> and says, "Now we got to do four days of media to to get the sponsor to not." be so po'd about it so uh, <laughs> well, yeah there, there's a lot of time you know and and that that's what's so great about our sport but it's also something we're losing in our sport too is that yeah. I was just, there was that raw emotion attached to it i was Every- just thinking of a great idea so they sent me and mike to talk to these young new kids coming into the sport <laughs> at the beginning of the year last year yeah last year what did they call that well, it was the NASCAR. It was like all the rookies of every series in the NASCAR next. I don't know what they called yeah. the, the summit or the seminar. Yeah, it was like a seminar summit. Whatever. Yeah. We were going to give them some tips on how to how to handle themselves. We said just watch Tony Stewart. And I think, everything he said, he does. I think that Tony should be the guy. He should right. That would Actually, be running epic. those. Yeah, it'd be easy. I wouldn't need very much time. I would just say, grow some balls and say what you <laughs> think. Well, as a broadcaster, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. That's right. Because, yeah. see, now his whole outlook on life has changed now that he's on the TV I know. side. All right, start another poll. Okay. And, and ask people if they like these vanilla drivers. Leah's on it. And see, and see, <laughs> we and see what they think about yeah. that. See if they like this politically correct BS that, yeah. that what would we're you all pre- dealing yeah. with. Yeah, Leah. So, like, what would you prefer? Would you prefer? I mean, yeah, seriously. Leah's like, I on prefer it. you not <laughs> ask me this crap right She's now. She's literally doing it. I'm literally on it. <laughs> but I'm going to make a bet. They're going to say they, they want the colorful Tony Stewart type drivers, but yeah. they also reserve the right to get pissed off at them when they do something. Yeah, and especially, yeah. Like, well, the, the ones that don't, the, the, the driver that's doing the ranting, the fans that don't like them, have one hundred percent ability to sit there and be keyboard jockeys, right? But they won't sit there, and if they were face to face, they wouldn't have the balls to sit there and say what they say on a computer to them. Yeah. Oh yeah. We see that day in and day out. Yeah. Because the to- the reason I say that is because you'll be somewhere, <laughs> and somebody's buddy will be right. They'll they'll both be right in front of you, and this guy will go, "My buddy said this about you," and he's just stand there and look at you, and he does not have the balls to say it in front of you. Yeah. And what? that's just the way he's it is. backing up. He's yeah. trying to backtrack. That's well, society, wait, well, though. You know what I meant. As yeah, many, exactly. As, yeah. as, as many of these gold sound bites Tony Stewart gave, I wonder why there's not any social media altercations that you've had. Because you just stay you off. You of just it? realize that it's like there's nothing to gain. Because it's you're you're fighting a bunch of guys that are spineless that sit behind a keyboard and and 
they run their mouth, and you're fighting a bunch of people that that well, it's just not even worth fighting this, anymore. I think this goes back to when you said Tony Stewart would go to you after that y'all had your altercation. I think you just prefer to deal with it man to man, don't you? I mean, well, like, but it's, and that's something to appreciate. But it's it, respect too. I mean, yes. the reason you're willing to go to somebody is because if if you don't even respect them, you don't even care to go to them and and talk about that's it right. or have an don't altercation about it. You know, the guys that I got in some of the biggest fights with were guys that I had the most respect for. I mean, everybody remembers when I threw the helmet at Matt Kenseth mm-hmm. on pit road. Well, I love Matt Kenseth. I mean, I think the world of Matt Kenseth. And at the part of the race where we crashed into each other, it's like it was stupid for us to wreck out at that point. We both had really fast cars. And and I was like, same thing. I mean, I had ran him down from a half a straightaway. It's like, why why not just let me go? Yeah. You know I'm going to let you go at the same time. And that's why I was so mad about it. It wasn't because I was just mad at Matt. I was mad at the situation we were in and the fact that I'm like, why of somebody that's that smart and so good at this, that's that's what I was mad about. Yeah. So it's I don't I don't get in these social media rants because it's like it, I don't even care about these people that sit there and don't have the balls to – they can sit there and say what they want. They're people that don't – at the end of the day, they don't matter to me. What have you gained I don't, at the I don't end of the day? see them. Yeah, I don't see them. They don't – interact with me personally i don't interact with them they are not worth the energy and my time to sit here and get in a pissing contest on social media with them over something that just doesn't matter at the end of the day and it gives them their 10 seconds of fame on social media because all of a sudden they're they they got in an argument with somebody famous i mean it's it's just not worth glamorizing them there you go well you talked us you're gonna run 99 races this year what's the biggest race you're looking forward to oh man it's hard to pick just one i mean i'm I have my Ollie's All-Star Circuit of Champions. Uh, I'm going to run most of, their, most of our races on our schedule there, but there's a lot of stuff that I'm kind of going out and around. Um, there's some new tracks that I'm going to that I'm looking forward to. Um, there's some places that I'm going to that I just want to get better there. I mean, Knoxville, Iowa, for example, I am absolutely terrible. Our series went out there. I ran the D – I won the D main. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't an E main or an F main. I was in the <laughs> lowest main of the night and yeah. won the D main. And my announcer, that's one of the guys that's with me today, he keeps reminding you, reminding that. me that I won the D main at Knoxville, and I remind him <laughs> that I pay his paycheck. <laughs> yeah, shut the hell up. I have to ask you. So, running the D main in that race is humbling. Oh yeah, for a three-time Winston Cup champion, NASCAR champion. How do you manage that? How do you manage your expectations? How do you manage being humbled? Like, if you're going to race, you know you're not going to win every single race. I would lo- say, for example, for me as a driver, I guess why I'm asking this is because I'm a little selfish. I'd love to go run a lot of late-mile races, but I know I'm going to get my ass kicked. So how do I manage that? The only thing for me, so to go with that, so the next week is the 360 Nationals at Knoxville. So that's 360 cubic inch motors. And then the following week is the Knoxville Nationals, the World of Outlaw guys, All-Stars guys all the four tens. Um, I run, I ran the 360 nationals the last two years. I'm running the 360 nationals again this year. I'm not even, I've not even entered the four ten nationals because I know I'm going to get my ass kicked. Yeah. But at the same time, everybody goes and everybody's mindset is, well, you're a NASCAR champion. You, you're as good as these guys. Well, just because I was a NASCAR champion doesn't mean that I'm the caliber guy that needs to be running. They're, they're, I know there's guys I can beat at the four ten nationals at the Knoxville nationals, but I respect the guys that I race against enough to say, I suck here and I don't want to screw somebody else's day up because yeah. I make a mistake, but I'm willing to put the time in to get better at it. And at, at the point that I'm like, well, I just can't physically get any better. That's the day I just quit. Mm, you know, if great. I can't, if I can't get better 
and can't make myself better, I'll, I'll quit at that point. But I, I have no problem saying, listen, I'm just, I'm, I don't run good enough at this place, but I'm willing to keep running some of these races to try to get better. So that's one of the places that I'm really look forward, looking forward to this year is just trying to get better at some of these tracks yeah. that I struggle at. That's pretty cool, man. You know, it'd be fun <clears throat> to go to one of his races, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, well, you're retired. We got so nothing to out. do. Yeah, this is all we got cool. in our life. Brian Vickers and I, he, Brian was at, at Daytona this weekend. He, he's talked to me for a couple of years now about going on a weekend yeah. and, uh, straight, Eric Amarola goes mud. a lot. Yeah. I mean, well, when we're at a, like this weekend where we're at Atlanta and we're, it's only like a 20 or 25 minute flight down to Florida where I'm racing. Uh, Eric will go with me and hang out for the night. And, uh, you know, Daniel Suarez joined our, our team this year and he's talking about wanting to go to a couple and see what it's like. So, uh, you know, we got some of our sponsors that'll go to the NASCAR races that also go to our dirt races as well. So it, it's fun. It's, um, you know, in Eric's background, Eric's grandfather raced, his uncle raced wing sprint cars. Uh, so he he's used to that kind of racing as well. So we've had a lot of fun going and doing the dirt stuff. And it's nice just to kind of sometimes just getting out of the circle and, and get going and doing something yeah. different in racing yeah. is just kind of re-sparks everything. I mean, oh, if yeah. you're having a bad day and you can go do that, it just kind of... Plus, the, it's the culture's so different. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like when Absolutely. I went to the 24-hour race, I, I've forgotten how different the culture is there. And it was like a... It kind of gave me new energy for going back to the, the NASCAR stuff yeah. earlier in the year. I was like, man. It was like I, I was really interested that Steve O'Donnell went out to the Chili Bowl this year. And, yeah. uh, and, and I was – Respect. Not, yeah. Well, that yeah. – and also I was curious on what he took away from it that, you yeah. know, you can implement I, in this I can tell you. A hangover. <laughs> well, there you go. There were well, a bunch of a bunch of those officials were there, and and they were on a, on top of the. There's a concession stand on the backstretch, and they were on top of there, and they made a point <laughs> every time I drove by on the tractor while I was working all day and all night. You were every time I went by, they made sure and showed me that they were enjoying a nice, cool <laughs> beverage. <Yeah. laughs> That's that hysterical. I couldn't have at that point of the evening, and uh, but they had a lot of fun, and it and it was. I I thought it was great. It's uh. You know, I, I think from their standpoint, they wanted to see something different as well. You know, just like we're talking about taking our guys. And I, I think it was uh, – the great thing was actually seeing them just actually have fun at the racetrack. I mean, you can imagine what Steve O'Donnell and, and all these guys, the pressure they have every weekend of running the greatest series in the United States. And uh, to sit there and for them to take a couple days and be able to go just go to a race and be race fans. Right. I mean, same thing. I think it just – kind of gets you sparked back up again and and gives you a different perspective on on what's going on in racing absolutely man we could talk all day long <laughs> we could you... talk all day today for about yeah. seven straight days we I have enough it. stuff we could talk about but we'd love to have you come back if you will sometime absolutely. later this year and uh you know tell some more stories and uh maybe we'll talk a little more current events but thanks for coming today it was absolutely. a big deal for us our listeners are really excited you were here yeah hope you have a great week i appreciate it had fun man So today is February the 18th, 2019. Everybody knows about this day. This is the day that Dad passed away uh, 18 years ago. Um, one of the great things about uh, this day, obviously you'd like to remember Dad, but I go on social media, Mike, and there's a ton of great stuff out there. A lot of great comments, a lot of great pictures. Today I found some pictures. I put them on my Twitter handle Okay. that I found. So I, I got this big, giant uh, picture catalog that I've been saving, collecting. There's about 2,500 pictures of in it, and it's all stuff that I've never seen before, and it's all old from, like, the early 80s and before. Nothing in the 90s. There's, right. You know, there's plenty of that stuff around. 
Um, but it's old rare pictures, and I found some too. I found four today on uh, on Twitter, and so you know, sometimes I kind of get sad thinking about this day and how and, and and it coming. But once it's here, I'm reminded every year that it that there's so many people remembering him, celebrating him. I think it's important to comment on that in the show today, um, and I appreciate that. After all these years, I think the one thing that I was always fearful of was that Dad might become forgotten. And every year I'm reminded of how important he was to so many different people. And uh, so it makes this day a lot of fun. Absolutely. Hey, where did you find mm, these four those pictures? Those pictures are incredible. On yeah. Twitter. Uh, Somebody uh, sent some, it to you? Yeah, some, some, uh, some Twitter follower of mine posted these in my timeline. And I just happened to check. I check my timeline roughly throughout the day and uh, just kind of see what people are talking about and what the, what, the moment, you know, what the topic of the moment is. But on a day like today, it's all Dale Earnhardt stuff. And uh, these popped up in there, and I have that big collection of pictures on my phone, and I immediately saved these and shared them with my family and my sister and, and uncles and cousins and everybody. And so, you know, it's, it's not often that I see a picture of my father that I've never seen before. That's the great thing. We, you know, you, there's bad days on Twitter, we all know. There's a lot of bad negativity on Twitter, especially over the last couple of weeks, but there's some great things happening on social media and on Twitter, and that's one of them. It happens, it happens ever, ever, ever so often that I'll find a picture of my dad that I've never seen before. And so that was a great thing today. Thank you for that. Thanks for all the comments and the kind words about dad, how much he meant to everybody. Let's see. What else are we going to talk about here? My sister is writing a book. That's do right. Do you know about this, Mike? I uh-huh. do. Yeah. So I've, I've got, I had the book Racing to the Finish come out. I had a great experience with that. We're selling books. We're, we're signing books. People are reading it, telling me all these great things about it, how much they enjoyed it. Well, my sister's in the middle of writing a book for herself. Um, I, it's kind of a uh, – I got to read a couple chapters. She sent me these chapters about it. Dude, it's heavy. Is it? Yes. So she was telling me she was going to write a book that's kind of a – sort of a, a guide to success – from her point of view. That's right. right. I thought that's what it was. Yeah. And she had to touch on her childhood a little bit mm. and sort of tell how she became the person she is and why she does and makes the decisions she does. I'm telling you, man, it's heavy. Yeah. And I am really excited for people to read it. Listen, I, you know, we have these conversations, uh, you know, behind closed doors and stuff, but anytime... I hear about y'all's childhoods. Uh, that, that, and, and I always wonder, if that ever goes into a book or a movie or whatever it is, I mean, we've had people pitch us all kinds of that stuff, yeah. right? Man, y'all had a childhood. Well, Boy, did y'all have a childhood. Yeah, Kelly goes into detail. Um, I don't want to spoil it. I want her to be able to tell it uh, That's right. and share. But, man, it is. I am so excited for what this experience is going to be like for her. I am excited for her to, to go through getting this book out there and telling this story and getting it out into the public. I'm also excited for the reaction and the fans to be able to read it and react to it. So I wanted everybody to know that she's working on that, to be on the lookout for that. So we had Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. All right, so we talked about that on the last show. <laughs> and we all, I think I, you know, we all... Uh, Thank God we talked about it on the show. <laughs> yeah, we, th- yeah. yeah we, we've got a lot of making up to do because we talked poorly of Valentine's Day, I believe. Did we not? Not of our wives and girlfriends. No, 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 but no. Like, just no, of the about day. The day, day. day. That's how, there weren't a lot I, of fans in I'm this room. I'm not changing that. <laughs> All right. So I talked poorly about it and how it probably wasn't very important to me. But I want to tell you all something. My grandma called me, Martha mm-hmm. Earnhardt, out of the blue. Hardly ever calls me. She said, hey, I want to thank you for my flowers. I was like, Uh-oh. what? 
<laughs> I was like, she said, I got these flowers from Isla, and they're pretty. And I'm like, oh, man. And I looked over, and Amy, I was like, because she can hear the phone conversation. She's grinning. My wife sent flowers to my mamma from Isla. Awesome. Isn't that cool? That's great. Isn't it great to have a wife to like I basically compensate for all that you don't do? Right. Yeah. She, she also sent 150 cards and balloons to children at Nationwide Children's Hospital. No way. Just out of the blue. Wow. I'm telling you, dude. Amy Earnhardt wins the Valentine's right? Award. How yeah. amazing. I'm telling you. I, I, you know, I don't mind saying it, man. She is amazing. Those are the things that she does that shows me that she's, she's, she's the real deal. That's awesome. So we, I won't say we. What? I'll say I made an ass of myself talking about Valentine's Day last week. And that it wasn't a big deal. I might have teased Amy y'all. Came I don't know, man. I don't think well, I don't think I did a good job. Amy comes in, saves the day. Did she see that? She Amy might, did, she might Amy have, didn't she watch She might that. have heard a clip on Instagram <laughs> and gotcha. been very disappointed Uh-oh. in me. Well, did you? what did you do for her? You didn't go to the drugstore this year. Yeah. Well, what did you do for her? We, oh, uh, well. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. We went to lunch and dinner and did things. We hung out. Okay. Yeah. I probably didn't do enough. Obviously, I didn't do enough. I mean, I just told you how amazing she is. All right. We got to talk about Sam Bass. Sam Bass passed away this past week. Uh, an incredible artist uh, for NASCAR. Sam is a uh, was a really, really, really close friend of my father's. Very close friend of really the family. Me and Kelly have been in contact with him a lot over the last couple of years, trying to assist him in any way we can to help him uh, with his illness. You know, it's very sad for I think the whole sport. He was such an icon. Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but he was adopted. As the artist for NASCAR, right? There's been a lot of guys that have done some pretty great illustrations and, and art in our sport over the years, but he was sort of the adopted, you know, artist for for NASCAR, capturing incredible moments, wins, big moments in NASCAR history as they were happening. And even when I saw a, I saw some on social media where David Reagan won at Talladega. Well, I think that uh, Sam Bass was to present the winner a drawing. And he didn't have a David Reagan drawing. He had these other ones made to present to who they thought might win the race. And there wasn't a David Reagan one to present. Right. So he had to draw one on the fly in Victory Lane no to give to David Reagan. David Reagan, I believe, is the one who tweeted about that. Sam not only drew all these incredible uh, racing moments, but he also designed cars, which is kind of like finding out somebody you think's really cool wrote a song you like. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yep. if you think about the... The Rainbow Warrior car that Jeff Gordon drove, well, Sam Bass created that iconic paint scheme that became so, so big for Jeff Gordon throughout the years. He did numerous cars for my father. Your DEI car, right? Yeah, he did my number eight. He did dad's cars, his one-offs that he would run in the all-star race, you know, the Wheaties car and so forth. Silver one. The silver car. So this man, I mean, he's been around a long time, done so much for our sport. On top of that, not only was he a badass artist and just doing all kinds of cool stuff throughout his career, but every time you saw Sam Bass, Sam Bass acted like he was extremely thrilled to be seeing you in that moment. And there's not many people in our lives that are like that. I think if you're lucky, if you got one or two, where you see them and every single time, no matter what kind of day they've had or what's going on in their lives, they are thrilled that they are seeing you in that moment, man. And it was genuine and real. I don't know how he did that, but I always thought that that was the greatest thing about him. I knew when I saw him, he was going to be smiling, and he was going to be glad to see me every single time. 
In good times well, and bad too, man. Because uh, you know, the first time I met him, he had that little closet office yeah. um, uh, on the corner there by Charlotte Motor Speedway, not the big thing that right. he eventually had. And he treated people the same back then as he did now. But then you look at his successes, and then struggling with his health problems and having to auction off stuff when there was some yeah. hard times. And he was the same Sam the whole time. It's it's not something you do; it's something you are. Right? There you go. You can't there you fake go. that. That's um, it. Great point. Yeah. I, so you you answered that. I was just wondering how in the hell he was so perfect and in, in, in how he engaged and, and, and maintained his relationships. And you answered it, man. It's just who he was. So um, there was one thing I wanted to get to Tony Stewart that I didn't get to, and that was what's the craziest thing a fan has ever said to him because I'm sure he's been you know, engaged by the fans several times. I had a guy come up to me and say something I never heard. He said his wife's not going to divorce him now that I gave him an autograph. Well, that's some pressure. Right? That's weird. I gave him the autograph, and he goes, thanks, man. Now my wife won't divorce me. I really wanted the backstory, but I didn't get a chance oh, to get The backstory is he's a crappy husband, clearly, oh. if this is what's going to have to uh, pull him through in the, in the, in the clutch. the autograph's going to save him, really? I, if that's going to save the marriage, but we got other issues. Yeah. But mighty big of you to give him uh, I felt. I felt like I did a good deed. No, I mean, sure. Right. Well, were you going to not sign it if, it, if his marriage no, but wasn't I didn't, what's I didn't. pending on it? You're like a counselor. Right. <laughs> I didn't know that. It was... Did you say good luck, you two? I wasn't. Dale I, Jr. <laughs> I, was, I was speechless. I was like, what? That's an odd thing for a man to say to another man. It is. Even if their marriage is great. Oh, there's worse. I've heard worse things. Like what? Well, I think the one, the one thing that really makes me uncomfortable is when uh, – what do they call that? Where you're 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 the hall pass or what is it? Oh no! Oh, you're like the um, yeah. The one. The one. Yeah. I'm the one. Oh when my they God. say that, I've heard that a couple times, and Ooh, that's awkward. That's weird. That is weird. Like so, yeah. you're saying basically a wife will tell you. No, no, the that husband, husband says that. Oh, the husband. That's oh. even weirder. <laughs> Wait, isn't it weird? I'm confused. <laughs> the husband will go up to Dale or, and said, I, or maybe you're the a free pass. Or the husband's in the, the husband's, husband's in the in earshot of the conversation. I mean, it's just weird. Yeah, it's weird. That's weird. Yeah. That's, no, no, listen, listen. I don't want to know that. I guess I'll never it, be anybody's going, free going pass, forward. so I don't care. <laughs> Dillard, <laughs> let's just be honest. Dillard, yeah. what's it like to be the free pass for somebody? How, how does feel? Don't ask me. <laughs> we could all know that I got a face for radio <laughs> or podcasting. So, listen, you saved a marriage at Daytona. You didn't wreck the pace car. Yeah. Good pace truck, I'm sorry. You did that good in good. that. All, overall, sounds like a pretty successful Daytona weekend for you. Wasn't the e-break or something? Did you have prompt? Sands, yeah, Rodney yeah, Sandstrom okay. said something about that. Oh, yeah. So, all right. So, Leah was asking me earlier before the show about uh, cruise control, right? And obviously, do you set it on cruise control? Because I, you That's know, a good question. As we're going up to speed, so this is what they tell you: we have a pit, pit, uh, a pit car or pace car practice. Mm-hmm. We have pace car practice, right? What can what can pace car practice be? Well, let me tell you. So this, think about those. There's celebrities like Peyton Manning and guys that have never done this, so they're going to have a practice. They need it. Well, they'll tell you they run 30 mile an hour once you start rolling. Run about 30 mile an hour on pit road. Once you get off pit road. From end of pit road all the way to turn two, you accelerate to 55. Mm-hmm. Take a very slow process of accelerating, and it allows the field to be able to catch up to you and get get double file behind you. You need to be 55 mile an hour off turn two, and you get to key the mic and tell the tell the tower pace car one at 55 mile an hour, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> so you hold it at 55 miles an hour. I did not. Uh, they wouldn't let me use the speed uh, the speed control uh, this time because Okay, this new truck, the Chevy truck, it has this, um, it has a very high tech sort of uh, system on it that 
tries to save the truck or correct the truck from a rollover, all right? Mm. And when we would take the truck up on the banking, it would start to think that the truck's out of control oh, and wow. in danger of flipping. It would start to, you know, start do, to things. do things to try to correct this. And we would not be able to pace the field. So they had to disable the speed control. And uh, That's funny. Yeah. I had to hold it at 55. Whoa. Wow. When's and the last so, time you had to do that? For for two and a, for two and a half miles times two times Harder three. Harder go slow. Um, yeah. So well, the thing is, is like I'm sitting there and it's like 57, 58. And I'm like, oh no! But you, the field is going to get a speeding I'm penalty. Gonna, yeah, somebody. <laughs> I've told them. I've told. They think this is fifty five. It's really fifty eight. The whole field is going to get a rash yeah. of speeding penalties because yeah, right. I wasn't holding the correct face. <laughs> That's pressure. No, I've got it. I've got to come clean. Yeah. I yeah. ran that last lap at fifty eight. Oh, oh. Yeah, I did. rebel! Well, You're a rebel. Yeah. It, this Rule was fun. My also. Coming to pit road, did y'all see? I kind of was a very aggressive. Was a I was hard turn, left, dude. hard aggressive. I left. did notice. That. I did that for visual effect. Did you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> did it not get you excited? We, we noticed. <laughs> get me excited? I, just, I thought you were about to miss the turn. The pace car. Like. Sometimes you'll see them and they'll come off there real slow and lazy, yeah. and it's like, what the hell is that? You got to dive on the pit road because the guy, the announcers would always say, the pace car dives on the pit yes. road. Yes. Here comes the field for the start. The pace car dives the pit road. The green flag is out, right? So yeah. He doesn't I'm, say the pace car gently eases off. Yeah, the, the pit pace road. car eases off out of everybody's <laughs> way. I was diving, man. You dove. I dove. You dove twice, actually. You because the, the the second left into yeah. the garage was pretty quick too, I wasn't know. it? Boom. Slam I on brakes. Thought you might have forgot. Thought you might have forgot pit road, but then and then all of a sudden it's almost like oh that's the entrance, yeah. wham! I mean you went right into the garage <laughs> like that too. Yeah, that's where they said to go. Wow, yeah, man. Both, I thought you were gonna stay out for another the, lap. Both of your pace car driving adventures have been that adventures. At Indy, he ended up in a holding pen oh, and I couldn't get out. Right, yeah. couldn't get out. I was stuck out in the racing area. Another observation I had was that man, it looked like you were driving basically a school bus full of kids. I mean, there were so many people packed into that truck. I had three people in the back seat and then the official in the in the passenger seat. But I had my um, I had a radio on, so. No conversation so, with me. So, yeah, you weren't. Yeah. And I was working. How you prefer it? I mean, I'm I'm having to hold fifty five. I didn't have any help. <laughs> um, <clears throat> That's funny. Did you? Were you nervous a little bit? A little bit? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Your your adrenaline's pumping. You're hearing the motor of the guys behind you. They're rawr, rawr, you know coming up. By, you know they're getting their cars all revved up and ready. It's awesome. Boy, that Silverado looks like a spaceship. I totally want away the green flag one year. Somewhere. Have you put yes. that? Have you planted that seed? We just yet? did. We just planted it. We just that was planted. it. We just seed planted. planted. Just I don't can, be like the king. Uh, his first year retirement. Remember, it didn't he? He waved the green flag. I can flag. wave. Let me tell you Lost right now. Hat. I can wave the hell out of a flag. Really? Oh yeah. You I got mean, practice? Well, every I think every kid that's ever wanted to race a race car has waved a flag and you know mocked and mimicked the. The flagman. Because you can't be that person that just oh, goes right. out there and just goes. I was going to say. Oh, I hate that. Don't I, you? Oh, man. I know the, the wrist. You got to go. know the trick. You got to start up at the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you got to just bring that thing down. Right. And then you got to go back up. And then you got to bring it down you again. You bet your ass if I get to wave the green flag, that's what you're going to see. Yeah, don't be doing this. No. No. Chip. Like, <laughs> like that person, that Denny Hamlin commercial with that big, huge flag we were watching last night. And my wife looked over and said, I know that pisses you off. Because the lady's just sitting out there. Yeah, big, broad strokes Ugh. of the mm. green flag. Yeah, you got to wave that thing like you mean it. And if I get to wave the green flag, we said last 
last week that we're just going to continue to try to take odd jobs <laughs> at Daytona Five at the Daytona Five Hundred every year. Did we get any cool ones from social media, Leah? We should ask. No. Yeah, Fry Cook, man. Well, I really, I mean, we got. I'm, I'm totally serious about that. So, so um, what did we, did we go to social media asking for what odd the jobs? New micro, the new micro, the new micro of uh, Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> I just, well, I just need a reason to be at the Daytona Five Hundred, man. They'll find you a reason. All right, and also, um, you were talking about Daytona. We had a win for Junior Motorsports, mm. and it was a big surprise. Nah, Mike, I, I predicted it. You did? Michael Annette <laughs> got his first win of his career. Yeah. And this story, man, I don't even know where to begin. So, Michael Annette, he himself, he said this. He's like, man, everybody has been clowning me, saying I don't belong in this car. Mm. I don't belong in this ride. I'm not good enough. And it's so funny because people forget he had a really, really good year. I think it was 2012, 2011 in the 43 car, finished fifth in points. And he ran in the top 10 throughout the majority of the season. And this is a guy that everybody, his whole story was he's a hockey player, decided to want to be a race car driver. And everybody was like, it's got some. Interesting. He's got some ability because he's doing really well for having no real background in motorsports. Yep. And then he got hurt at Daytona, broke his sternum or something in a crash in turn one and two, and he had to sit out for three months, and his career really got derailed from there. And this guy goes and he drives, he gets in some pretty bad rides that don't produce for him. And I think that it sort of programmed him and took a lot of the wind out of his sails and took a lot of the passion and, and drive from him. Anyways, he, when we hired him, he, he's a different person than he is today. He's changed and transitioned into a guy that we really know has some passion, has drive, and has determination. All right? And he's sort of rebuilt himself, and we've helped him do that. And I think we've, that's what we do. We, we give people opportunity, and, and we, we give young guys, new guys opportunity. We, we help veterans and, and other guys sort of put their career back on track. Uh, we do it all. And it's been a process with with Michael. Was he lacking confidence or something when he oh, came here? Uh, Is that what you mean? No, yeah, he had no confidence. He had no confidence in himself, but he had been beaten down by him, Not I'm sure by himself, which I can, I've, I've experienced that where you just, you just, you don't, oh, yeah. you know, you lose all faith in yourself and you, your belief in your ability. But he's also hearing it, you know, from everyone else. And, you know, fans and Twitter and everything else. Just just hounding him. And so, obviously, he was in pretty bad shape when, when he came here. Luckily, like, all right, so we, were, we weren't really perfectly on track with Michael. It was a process trying to get him right. One of my friends, um, Travis Mack, had taken a job as a crew chief on the 95 car on the cup side, got let go in the middle of the season. And I'm like, man, that's crazy. He's good. He He'd been good. my car chief forever, worked at Hinton Motorsports for a long time, super, super driven, really, really driven. Won a championship over here with Chase Elliott yep. Uh, under yep. Greg Ives. That's right. Went back to Hendrick, yep. Yep. And so this guy's got this really cool, I don't know, he's got this real weird drive, and he – <clears throat> he reminds me of, he's not going to like this, but he reminds me a lot of Chad Knauss. Like a lot of people find Chad Knauss a bit difficult sometimes, but it's because of his standard of excellence and what he expects out of you. He, and he expects things to be right and perfect, and he has a mentality toward his job, and he puts everything into it. 
and it can be tough. It can be hard, right? And that, that's what I see in uh, Travis Mack is that he has this, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, and if, and if you're going to be on my team, you're going to have to have that same attitude and personality. Well, that explains why it probably didn't work out at the 95. Maybe. He didn't have uh, what he felt like he needed to be per- perfect. Chad Ganaus probably wouldn't be any better at 90, uh, with the 95. Give him a chance. Yeah. Right. Well, no, that makes sense. I'm thinking, man, this is gonna be, this would be awesome for Junior Motorsports if we could get T Mac over here, and if he's you know if he's willing to take over on Michael's car in the middle of the season, maybe we can get Michael into the into the playoffs because Michael was sitting outside of the playoffs at the time. We weren't able to do that, but maybe they ran we, really good at the end. I know. I'm like, you know, you expect things to jail a little quicker than they do, and they just take time sometimes in motorsports. But you could see the process getting better, and it was as much about Michael as it was about the cars. What T-Mac did when he came in here was he took that passion and that drive and that, that weird, you know, uh, obsession that Travis has was good for Michael and his passion and his drive. T-Mac sort of helped Michael find that last little bit mm. of determination and accountability. Like, T-Mac was going to say, hey, this is what you've got to do and I expect it. And this is what you're going to do for me. Similar to what Steve LaTarte did for it. me. Yep. All right? And so I, we're starting to see Michael respond mentally and physically, taking better care of himself, being sharper and ready and driven and focused and, up and accountable. I know it's a plate race. People were going to say that, you know, plate races are often uh, won by luck and so forth. But you, got, you get there at a preparation. You get there because you're determined. You get there because you got your mind right. You're in that position because of those things. Michael Annette was not in that position a year ago to win this race. He was because of all the work he's done this year. And Travis Mack's a big part of that. Two guys, man, a big story of redemption for both those guys. Um, That's what was so cool about that win for me. It wasn't really even – it was bigger than Junior Motorsports, and it was bigger – you know what? It, what had those two guys had been through, and to stand there and watch them in Victor Lane. T Mac was in tears. T Mac's dad was standing there in tears. Everybody was just shook up because it had been such a hard road. And I, you know, I just was thinking, wow, if Travis can take Michael Annette to Victor Lane, what a day that would be for both of those guys. And that's what we needed. We needed Travis Mack. He's back. So, anyways, that was such a great day. The fans didn't love the race. <laughs> All right, that's true. Hey, I, I, it oh, well. is what it. I I can't. What? No, I can't argue with them, man. Right. I mean, there was no passing, even though we won. Got to be up front and straight. That that wasn't a very fun race to watch if you're a fan. But man, we didn't get the same thing on Sunday. Mm-mm. Sunday was in, in the complete opposite. People, some people didn't like that. Why, like, why would nobody like that? Because what? not enough passing, not enough you know action, and then there's too much action, too oh, much crashing. Grief. I, you know, stay off social media. Uh, if, if, if that's if that's what uh, if people are saying that 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 race uh, on Sunday was incredible. Yeah. It was even Logano alone. Well, Jeff know, Gluck, you know, Jeff Gluck, was it a good race? Polled uh, last time I checked at eighty five percent. Yes. Good. Could you believe who's voting though? No. Who that seems low. Yeah. Why would that that race gave you everything? Right. If you're, I was reading in comments to Jeff's post, and people were saying, "Well, I voted no because the last twenty laps were boring." Or something, or too much wrecking at the last boring? 20 laps. I mean, it's boring. Well, there was a long delay, the big yeah. red flag. Right. Mike, you, you like the big long delay in the red flag? 
Well, you got to clean up the track, Actually, don't you? I went and had I mean, dinner. Do you, do I, was, I what, went to the kitchen and made yeah. dinner. I was I good with too. it. What are you going to do? Not red flag, not fix the track, not clean up the track? The replays of Priest rolling through understand. that darn why is that uh, even sparks a conversation? and all kept me I, good. I was wondering if that was why oh. the last 20 laps were Listen. Uh, look. We're not what people expected. Listen. I liked it. The only, the, I have ne- it's always the other way around. People go, uh, the last 20 laps are the only part to watch. Listen. You, you but this race, uh, people said the first 180 laps were the best. The whole 207 <laughs> laps were the best. I mean, like, come on. I mean, like, you... We we have become we have become too entitled. Like we have to have an opinion now broken down by lap. Come on, <laughs> Gee, it, it's bad enough. To, All I, right. I, I don't particularly like when Gluck says, "Was this a good race or not?" I mean, I listen, do. Oh, go, I know if okay. it's a good race. That's fine. But I don't I'm like saying, it. I don't but, like the poll now, if it's but, a bad race. But boy, if we're coming down now, breaking up, but breaking up. Well, I liked the first two stages, but that third stage. <laughs> No, I, 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 cannot, I love when Mike rants. Like this is all stage. I wanted was a Mike rant. Well, people just appreciate that that race. You didn't know who was going to win. You know, you don't as you typically don't at restrictor plate yep. races. Yep. But they get the, the drivers hung it all out. Did you see the move? Like the moves that Boyer was making. Now yep. I know it ended up costing oh, yeah. him. But like the moves, Jimmy Johnson was driving like it was his first race. I mean, in a good way. Like I gotta like, tell you, like he hadn't won seven championships, and this is his chance hey. to win his first. They were driving like like uh, putting it, yes, putting it all out there. What are, you, what are you guys for? That's it. Last year, the drivers were badass. Not that they're not ever, ba- you know, not that they weren't before. But I was seeing it from a new perspective as a broadcaster, and what I watched every single week was freaking awesome. Yeah, and they did it again Sunday. Yes. You know, if you like the race, it's not the package, it's not the damn plate, it's not the spoiler, it's the race car driver behind the wheel. And not that this had any influence on the drivers, but there was one thing that happened in the driver's meeting that was very cool, and that was Jim France. Oh. He got up and spoke. And first thing he said was, NASCAR is a family sport, we're here, we're dedicated, this, is, this shit means everything to us, count on it. And mm. then he said, "That's cool." Now, if some of you other drivers out there can get behind Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott on that bottom groove, I know, I saw that, and make a race out of it, that'd be nice. Get down there and, and pat, try to pass somebody, yeah. right? And the, there's so much. And I'm sitting right in front of Mike Hilton. Me and Mike Hilton are literally two feet apart, face to face, in the way they have us staged in this drivers' meeting. And I'm watching Mike Hilton. I've never seen Mike Hilton look at someone else the way that we look at Mike Hilton. You know how much we respect Mike Hilton? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mike Hilton was looking at Jim that way. Oh, wow. Huh? It was crazy. Wow, yeah. I mean, Mike Hilton to me is like the baddest the, the, man the ever. Top, the top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's like looking at Jim going, damn right. Yeah, getting him fired Jim, up. you the man. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, wow, I'm looking at Mike Hilton the way I look at Mike Hilton. And he's looking at Jim the way I look at him. It was weird. <laughs> Um, the things that go in your mind in the driver's moment, meeting. Didn't, didn't listen to anything else in the driver's meeting. But why no, would you, right? You're not the driver. Though. That moment was really cool. Yeah. Jim France is uh, a freaking badass. Yeah. I'm so glad that he get, got up there and said that. And we need to hear it, man. Gosh, we need to hear From it. From a France. We want to hear it. We want to hear that so bad. And it makes it sounds so good. To be clear, though, that's not what gave us the racing on Sunday. What no, did? it wasn't. What gave us that? The driver's. I mean, it, it, was it really? So, so you're, is that to say that Saturday was the drivers just being complacent and sitting in line and not wanting to no. risk it? No, no, no. I mean, from what I could hear, you know, listening to some drivers, they're wide open in that Xfinity car. How are they going to pass? They're on the freaking gas, yeah. wide open. 
if they're not getting a run on the guy in front of them, you know, there's a lot of variables at play that created that high line. I don't know. I wasn't driving in the race in the Xfinity Series to know if those guys would have just jumped to the bottom. They could have run side by side. We've seen some of that in the Xfinity race. One of the, the stage two, I think, started out with a little side by side action. I think that, you know, sometimes in during speed weeks, a trend begins and it sort of gets mimicked. And But, you know, with that said, the truck race was crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I think that the package with Xfinity cars maybe needs some adjusting. If they're running, if the, if the guy running fifth or tenth in that line is wide open and not, you know, not running over the guy in front of him, damn, they need to adjust the package. They need to get those cars where they can create runs and get runs on each other. Hey, here's one thing that you were right. You said this before the race, and you were right. And that is, uh, if 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 it gets down to the wire on that race, you want to be the one out front because the person out front is going to probably e- hold that position yeah. easier uh, that than it will be to overtake. Right. And but that that was the case when when I saw them take that final restart, and uh, I saw them racing for second and third, and uh, I know that Logano. I was sitting there keeping my eye on Logano, thinking that here goes J- Joey and TJ are about to do their thing, you know, right? Because yeah. they're so good at that. Uh, I think M- McDowell said, "No, I'm going to try to win this thing." And then, then when they got disjointed, I knew Denny Denny yeah, was set sail. Yeah, that that was uh, that was that. So I'm happy for Denny. I actually wanted Denny to win this one. Really? Yeah. I, you know, with the whole J.D. Gibbs, I bought in. Oh, yeah. I, I bought in, man. Yep. I, I, I was happy for Coach. I, I liked it. I liked that storyline. I thought they deserved I it. I just I want to wrap this up real quick. We Denny Hamlin's one of the best plate racers on the racetrack right now. I don't know that he – I mean, I, he had a great race car. He won the race. Uh, the Penske cars look a little better, the Fords, but – and Joe Logano is a great plate racer too, but at Denny, man, he has he does things out on the racetrack in the in, in the draft that I think a lot of other people don't do. And he sees it and understands it, and he has a confidence in his ability out there that uh, that is different than a lot of his competitors. So he didn't back into that one. All right, so we got we talked about it at the top of the show. We got a new partner, Mac Weldon. You know what Mac Weldon is? Tell me. It's underwear. <laughs> well, and it's better than whatever you're wearing right now, Mike. Is, how do you know I'm not wearing Mac Weldon? Are you? How would you know? Well, you, oh, can tell asking. Yeah, I, you can tell I, I would tell you. Yeah, I really, on any other day, I wouldn't ask you. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> but this is the type of relationship we have. We just ask, hey, 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 Dale, what, what, what kind of underwear are you wearing today? So anyway, <laughs> I, well, you sent me the promo code. No, what I sent you was you the, sent me a promo code. Uh, but I also sent you uh, to Mac, shop. That's a credit. Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, and they sent you a credit, and boy, you were excited about that. In fact, Dillner was thinking. This is going to be one of those ones yeah. that Dale Jr. is not going to want. And Dale was, was already starting to pick out his pair. Oh, no. And uh, Dale, Dale Jr. said, uh, back up, bud. Well, this I was is- pissed because I saw his order, and his order had the same pair that I wanted, but, of course, it's a different size, that orange pair. And I was yeah. pissed. All right. I was like, damn it. I All right, so Mack Weldon <laughs> makes underwear. And we when I heard about this sponsor, I did get some credit. And I went and bought four pair. And they're freaking awesome, man. They are high-end, custom kind of fit. All right. Yeah, so you were wanting to know. I'm just saying. Look, all right. So, I, I, have, I don't know, man. Even when it's a sponsor, talking underwear with another man just I know, seems it's weird. weird. Isn't it? Get well, used to it. You want me to stick to the script? Yeah. Get, <laughs> Not get too creative. Well, don't, don't look at me and ask me to respond. That's, you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> I just say, look deep into Mike Davis's right. eyes it and tell so him about good, your underwear. Mike. It fits uh, so good. <laughs> tell me more. They're, tell me more tell about me your more. underwear, Dale. They're very comfortable. How does it, fit? How does it feel me. down there? Describe it. <laughs> <laughs> They're very comfortable. 
Oh man. <laughs> I'm, I so I was really excited about buying getting this order of underwear. They <laughs> <laughs> they're they're freaking awesome, man. So I want more credit. All right, I, I, I will say this. He was excited about this one so <laughs> much was. so that he came and told us last week he thought the Mack Weldon sponsorship was kicking in the first show, and he goes, hey, I wore my Mack Weldon underwear. <laughs> <laughs> he said that uh, to, as good information for me to know <laughs> as we prepared for the podcast. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, <laughs> premium fabrics, and simple shopping. It was very easy. Uh, the shopping is simple. Mack Weldon is the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. We got to get into the rest of that stuff. I just got the underwear. Yeah, we need to uh, get some sweats. I, well, since I started that job with, uh, in the booth uh, as a broadcaster, the sock game is serious with the rest of those guys in the booth. Oh, yeah. And so I've been having to buy all these crazy socks to try to keep up. So, uh, Mack Weldon, maybe I need to try out some of their socks. Anyways, not only do they... Uh, not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well, too. Tell us about that. It's good for working out, going to work. What is that? You can wear them to work. You can wear them out on dates, Mike. All right. You can just about wear them <laughs> in everyday life. Well, it's really easy to order. I went online, bought four pair, came right to the house. You were, impressed, some- you were impressed how they, uh, how they were shipped. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, and how they were packaged. The packaging is high-end, dude. <laughs> Look, I mean, I'm this serious. is the kind of crap I never even cared about until I got older. And now, man, I just wore pretty much anything. Like, whatever. I just buy underwear. You just pull it off the shelf. Socks, same way. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you're getting more, we're getting more and more particular. I am. All right. Um, stuff's got to be comfortable. I'm, I'm tired of wasting my time. Uh, this is a special offer to listeners of the Dale Jr. Download. For 20% off your first order... Visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code Dale Jr. at checkout. That's promo code Dale Jr. D A L E J R. No space. Thank you, Mac Weldon. Twenty percent. That's significant. That is. That's a good deal. I really. I'm uh, using it. I like the underwear. I would love some. I would love to try out the socks. You want to try to get some I'm more? D- credit and out I of do them? like hoodies. Hoodies, man. Who don't like hoodies? We got a uh, Ask Junior live segment. All right, everybody, it's Dale Jr. at the, the Dale Jr. Download Podcast. This is the Ask Jr. Live segment on YouTube. Mike Davis's voice, you'll hear that. Hello. We also hear Hello. Uh, Matthew Dillner and uh, Leavon also in the studio. Uh, thanks for everybody who's tuned in. Tony Stewart was just here uh, as a guest, and you'll be able to hear that on the full podcast later when Matthew gets it out. We're recording a little late today. It'll so be 1 o'clock in the morning at this rate. But <laughs> yeah, the, the podcast is going to be out late because I, was able, I wasn't able to get here this morning and record on time. I'll be editing in my Mac Weldon's tonight. Uh, t- TMI. Jesus goodness. <laughs> All right, so let's get right to it. We've got some good questions out there, guys. Yeah, man. Uh, people are populating the chat room right now, but we could start with uh, Ryan Holman, who says uh, – do you think we'll soon see the green-white checker become a thing of the past? We've seen it in action for a while now. Is it worth the carnage? Yeah, the green-white checker's not going anywhere. Good. I think that NASCAR is going to do everything they can to try to give the opportunity for a green flag finish. And so the green-white checkered, I think, is, for the most part, quite popular. And there's, you know, there are times when you're going to have a lot of, you know, a lot of crashing at the end of the race. Uh, I think that's the risk you sign up for as a driver and as an owner uh, when, you, when you go to the racetrack and load your car up and take it there, that it could get torn up. <clears throat> what incarnation, chiming in with the uh, pressing question of the day, and she's shaking her head because we know your response here. Do you like potatoes? Uh, potatoes, I do. 
like potatoes. Why? I mean, <laughs> I just want to know, how do you prefer your potato? I like, a, well, I, I feel like there's more to this. Is it, what, what, what what is this setting you up for some potato prank? All right, I love maybe. potatoes. <laughs> uh, Did we get a potato spot? What's your yeah. favorite kind of potato? What? What's your favorite kind of potato? Like a russet? Well, like, do you I like, like, baked, like baked, baked potato? Okay. I like baked potato. Mash is good, man. I mean, that, With does, that gravy. Does, does all the work for you. Gravy? Yeah, put some gravy on them potatoes. <laughs> I don't know where the hell we're going oh, with it. Oh, see gravy though. All right. Well, well, Bragger Winter uh, ninety eight chiming in. We'll say he'll uh, they'll save us right here. Uh, do you ever think you'd want to race at Bowman Gray Stadium? I know um, you said you haven't been yet. I want to go to Bowman Gray and watch a race. I do not want to go race there, but I'd love to watch a race there. The history of that racetrack is incredible. Obviously, the energy. I mean, it's packed. What's ten thousand people get into that racetrack every seventeen seventeen thousand wow. every single week? This place fills up. And I don't know that there's anything else like it. I know in North Carolina, uh, maybe even in the country, the short track bringing in that many people uh, week in and week out. All right. Laura uh, Chris says, uh, what rule or regulation would you want to put in place if you could or abolish? Come on, man. I mean, there's so many things that if you could be president of NASCAR, there's a lot of things you'd probably adjust and change. I would probably... um, do you guys have anything on? Yeah, your- uh, it's not a rule for NASCAR. It's a rule for everybody else to not talk about rules packages every oh, day. God. Okay, um, that's my rule. I was I was thinking more specifically to the car or something like that. I think that there's so much I would change. I would change everything. You- I would change it all. Um, <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> I would probably try to figure out a way to get the cars unsealed from the ground. Um, I would prob- I like the direction they're going with this new Gen 7 car. Uh, apparently, if it's going to be closer toward the production model, that's a plus. I don't know how close they're going to get, but if they can make a, you know, the cars look really identical to the production model on the showroom floor, I would love that. Basically, the noses do now, but the back half or the center section of the cars all look the same to me. You know, kind of back in the early 90s you could tell a ford from a chevy and all that i would Mm -hmm. like to i would like to try to get close to that as we possibly could i like the idea that they're going to a smaller engine but an open motor this tapered spacious thing i think hopefully is just a a stopgap till they develop the new new they're going to do the new the gen 7 car is going to have a new engine so hopefully it's a smaller open motor i'm looking forward to seeing how all that works out i would say you know my my original my my answer to that would have been restrictor plates but that was the last restrictor plate yeah. race this past, <laughs> this past weekend, right. so I don't know what my answer is after that. Can I add, I would also like to try to uh, design a narrower tire. There's too much. Narrow I think the, yes. tires, the tire contact patch is too big. John Douglas wanted to know, uh, what did you think of the two days, days of Thunder-esque kind of moves that Ryan Priest made to there's avoid always, some the Yeah, there's always a driver in the plate races that's going to do what Ryan Priest did. A lot of it is... Just a quick reaction time, obviously, but also luck of where the cars are spinning and not spinning. But Ryan Priest is a sharp little race car driver, and he's actually going to be driving our car this weekend in Atlanta in Xfinity Series. So uh, we're going to get to know Ryan Priest quite a bit, uh, yeah. well, really well this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, uh, Tara wanted to know: uh, Did you meet the live PD crew while you're in Daytona, and I did, uh, did, I did you not. know who who they were? No, were you they did? at the track? Yeah, yeah, supposedly they were. I mean. I didn't, live I didn't, PD is pretty bit badass. I know. I've watched Live PD before. It still, it it doesn't, I don't know if it rivals cops. I always thought cops really? was, cops is a little bit, I'm, I'm a cops guy. I do like Live PD. I know it's very popular, and I'm probably getting Love that show. Uh, a lot of crap for liking cops, because 
I'm no, you're not. You're no, not gonna get it from really. me. Uh, I think yeah. cops seemed. You like cops better, guys? I like cops a little better. Why? I don't know. I, I, I feel like live PD isn't really live. What? Yeah, not live. Poll question. We're <laughs> gonna be working her pretty hard here on these. I polls. smell a poll question. I smell a poll. Hey, a few people chiming in wanting to know how was Disney. Well, the thing is, is it'll be like. Man, here we are in South Carolina, and it's daylight, and I'm like, well, North Carolina's dark, so what's going on here? I'm talking about live PD. Sorry, what was the next? Yeah, question? I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, what about Disney? Is North Carolina? A, there's a Disney now. Sorry, North Carolina. I was like, oh damn. A no, few people on the uh, po- yeah. uh, chat room wanted to know how was Disney. I saw you guys yeah. took a trip as a family. Me took Isla uh, to Disney. She's nine months. It's probably a little early, but she's still. Uh, she liked it. We we don't we went on two rides that she liked, Dumbo and It's a Small World. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Those oh. were two that she liked. We took her on Winnie the Pooh. And I ain't never been on that ride, but we go so Isla has never been scared before. Ever. Right? This is not mm. not that I know of. Mm-hmm. And she's never been in a situation that was scary or have a reason to be scared. So other than getting a little water on her face in the bath. But we go into the Winnie the Pooh, and it's dark. Like, you go through these doors, and it's dark. And I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. And then they got Tigger, kind of glow-in-the-dark Tigger, jumping out from all kinds of different <laughs> places. And Isla's starting to look around at me and Amy going, what is going on? Why are we doing Where are we, and why is this happening? And she, I'm watching her get scared for the first time, and I'm getting oh, angry. Boy. I'm getting, like, mad because <laughs> I'm like, who thought this was good for kids? <laughs> I, who, that's they should have said no, no babies, or or this ain't for babies, you know. <laughs> she is getting, and she's like, Daddy, yeah, she's reaching for me for to, to save her, and I'm like, man, I kind of like that. I feel bad because I'm like, I'm a, I'm liking the that she wants me to save her. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, you ain't I'm, saving her till the ride's over. I know, but at the same time, <laughs> I'm sitting here going, I'm mad because this poo. <laughs> scaring her and, <laughs> and then I'm like oh that's cute it's quote oh it's so cute and she's scared oh, yeah, right. oh, she wants daddy yeah. yeah of course she wants daddy um, again take it for a second lap <laughs> <laughs> but man I, and this whole I'm thinking alright you know it's gonna lighten up and there'll be a great you know she's, this is gonna be a short period of you know scariness and then it's gonna have a fun ending nope Dark and scary all the way to the very end. We got out. It's over. <laughs> I'm like, what? I, I, I did not know that Pooh, uh, his whole his well. story is so dark and scary. <laughs> it's like, not scary. Right? It's not scary. I don't remember. My kid didn't get scared on that ride. How old was she? <laughs> How old was she? About that, I don't know. I'm right. just making it Well, you want to make a competition. We're making a competition here. My girls never cried on that ride. I just couldn't. I was just really surprised. I didn't go on the poo one when, when I went, and, you know, thank God I didn't. But I don't, I don't know what else I could add to that other than I was just super surprised that it was the way it was. How'd you like uh, Small World? Because my kid was. That was say, that's, see, that saved the day. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's well, Small it's World a, was like. the last ride, and she was happy as hell. Is yeah. that song still stuck in your head? No. I love when it gets stuck in my head. I oh. love that ride. I don't know why. It's the worst. <laughs> Hey, uh, Groat House. Uh, hey, Groat House, man, you're always on these. You're a big yeah. Dirty Mo fan. Check it out. Uh, th- what's the next animal you would like to add to your property? Have you None. thought about this? I don't want to add no more animals. No? No. Not like a llama or something? See, oh, jeez. Oh, no. <laughs> See, that was the old me that thought everything was a great idea. That's why I still. That's why the buffalo are there. They just, I mean, they. 
I'm not. No, they don't get into anything. You're good. Yeah, they're hard. They're, they don't get in anything because there's a fence, but they've if, broken, they can't get out. Yeah, they've broken out of the yeah. fence and went miles down the road. That's right. And we found them in neighborhoods and people's front <laughs> right. yards in the middle of the night. Um, get that phone call. They're, yeah, they're a real pain in the butt. But I don't, uh, yeah, we don't want any more animals. Amy wants to rescue all of them. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to cut tap, back. Tap the brakes. I'm trying to cut back. <laughs> but, yeah. I got four longhorn steers oh, that really? a fan from Texas gave me. And uh, can you ever like eat them? No. Why would you want to eat your pets? Well, I, you know, I, they're pets. Oh, well, okay. If they're pets, you oh don't eat gosh. them. Oh my gosh! I mean, longhorn probably. I don't know if that's good steer meat or whatever. I don't know much about the meat industry. Steer I know, meat. but they're pets, dude. All right. Well, okay. Could be farm animal. You, I don't you, know. You, you ain't never been hungry then. <laughs> yeah. Well. Pets start to look good. All right, oh Imelda God. chiming in here. You're uh, live on YouTube. <laughs> live on YouTube, talking about eating your pets. Uh, asked <laughs> just a random question for Dale Jr. here. If you ever did one of those escape room adventures, which yeah. I want to know, have you done one first? No, one? I haven't. Okay. Which current NASCAR driver would you want as your partner, and which one would you absolutely not want? I would not want Martin Trix Jr. because because uh, you. He's not going to say two words during the whole experience. The guy doesn't talk. He only texts with emojis. He doesn't even talk when he texts. And that would be, I would be so frustrated, I think, with him. Are y'all talking about escape, escape rooms? Yeah. Like the one I just did yes. this weekend? Yes. You did one? You yes. did one? For my kid's birthday, yeah. I really? Did it for the first time I did it. And it They're had, fun. had uh, nine 10 year olds in a room. It, you know, with 17 locks and trying to, and oh I'm going to tell you something. That's it was a blast, and I, I loved it so much that I wanted us to do it. Well, I wanted it. us, like, as a team, Dirt, Dirty cool, Mo man. Media, Micah, James, all of us. Micah's to go, had a breakthrough. He's, go, said, go, he's go, no, of, listen, it's, it's fascinating. It is. Problem it's, solving. It's, yeah, it's problem solving. It's yeah. team building. It's all kinds of stuff. I'm just surprised he thought, thought about us out of work. I, no, I did. <laughs> I did. No, I really thought it would be fun. You don't have to go. I feel, Do you want to go? I feel honored. Yes. I ask him to go to lunch all the time, and he says, says no. So. No, stop. I, I really think if but, y'all yeah, want to do it, let's do it. I'm putting yeah, my head up. I want to escape. So let's get back to it, though. Uh, okay, who would you want with you? Um, probably Truex. Wait. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Who would you really want with you, and who would you? I, we know you don't want Truex. Would there be a good problem solver kind of guy you think he'd riddle, find out these riddles and stuff? Yeah, That's who you'd want. Probably Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Same time champion. Who do you think is good at breaking into stuff? This is a good way to find out who you wanted in. All right. So who is breaking that? Breaking in? Yeah. Boyer. I'm telling okay. Boyer would be a good one then. Why? But Why Boyer's Boyer? all over because, the place. Because you're having have you seen him break into listen, things? I mean, it's, 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 it's like sort of like Ocean's Eleven where everyone has a specialty. If you because yep. listen, I'm gonna tell you something, guys. There's records. Oh, there, yeah. There's time oh, records. Yeah, yeah. And now that makes it like you're like, okay, now if I did put a team together, who would I put? Because I'm gonna go after the record. Well, right, we, we we did a bunch on the road, and and and, so, and JG Alley, uh, Jeremy Clements, uh, Garrett Smithley, Kate Kate Fegley. We all had a big group of us that yeah. we started going to. You got to have road. a mathematician. Let to me get tell you, you, an engineer. Don't bring driver that fifty one in the Xfinity series, Jeremy Clements, because all he did was scream like right. he was getting murdered the whole time. Really, yeah, he was awful. Yeah, don't get him. Well, if you awful. don't, if you don't enjoy small talk, take Truex, <laughs> or you. I mean, you and him are I both. Talk. Eh, he'll be fitter in a, a riddle, game. and he'll be looking on his phone My half small the time. Small talk game's no good. Eh, yeah, yeah. He'll yeah. be checking his phone half the time. Yeah, you huh. talk, but you don't small talk. Pe- All right. People want us to live stream our uh, uh, escape room experience. Oh, my God, that would do a well, No, uh, we won't live stream it, but you know what we would do is t- uh, video it and then uh, and then cut a okay. cut a couple videos. That'd be It'd awesome. be fun. 
Any more questions, guys? Let's wrap it up, man. That was, uh, that was live it. Ask YouTube right. presented by Nationwide. I don't know how good that was. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Ask Junior presented by Nationwide. Let's get uh, let's get the white flag rolling. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. We'll start this white flag by wishing happy birthday to my wife and my daughter all Aww. this week. This is a big Oh, week. Mike, way to yeah. go. I know, right? Brownie points. Um, so, by the way, I want to ask, um, how good was that Earnhardt Gordon documentary? Oh, yeah. I mean, because we, we were talking about, you know, your dad at the, at the beginning of the show, but you were very proud of that documentary. You were very happy with it. Yeah, so I was, uh, you know, dad's not here to tell his story. Jeff is. Jeff works for Fox. So I just, you know, not that, you know, Jeff would take liberties and, and skew it. Right. I just was just curious as to how they would tell it without dad be here to give that input. But they told it exactly as it was. And I think that that Jeff had a big influence on it being told correctly. And to top it off, I mean, obviously, when Jeff goes to the statue. Oh, what about in that? In Kannapolis at the end. That was something. Just perfect. It was, right? Yeah, just perfect. Yeah. I was just so appreciative, I think, of how Jeff handled it. You could tell there was times when Dad saw it, an altercation one way, and Jeff saw it another. But, man, he told it with such respect, and I really appreciate that. Well, I just wanted to throw that in white flag because I knew that that was something that you uh, were happy with. I want to congratulate Junior Motorsports iRacing drivers Brad Davies and Michael Conti for a good, successful uh, beginning to their season. Although, are we going to talk about the end of that uh, peak antifreeze iRacing Daytona race or no? We're just going to let that one go by. So, on the last (laughs) lap of the race, the stream crashed. And all we've been pumping this iRacing partnership up that now we're a team. Yep. We own a team in the series. A lot of other, you know, Wood Brothers and a bunch of other teams do as well. Um, we've been pumping up this race and how excited we were to be a part of it. And then the stream crashed on the very final lap of the race. And we're still excited to be a part of it. But that is that, that I actually, I was ready to come in here and I was eat in, crow. I was ready to come in here because I've given Dale Jr. such a hard time in a previous podcast yeah. <laughs> about this and how you know we, we debated on whether it was real racing, and I was on the edge of my seat with this. Brad Davies had a ridiculous save uh, that it, it took him out of contention for the win, but he, he, he still yeah. ma- kept it on the track. It was amazing, and I was literally nervous about it. And when the feed went out on the last lap, I'm texting Dale Jr. going, did that just happen? And he was like, what are you talking about? You know, like, it was no big deal. And I'm like, Did, I'm watching the iRacing thing. And he's like, yeah, it's just, in my head, I know how Dale's, the tone of his text. <laughs> he's like, yeah, just too many people on it. Just too many, which I don't think that was the problem, actually. No, the, but, uh, uh, the, I, producer I, for the, the producer for that race is in Brazil, and he had a brownout. A what's, brownout. What's a brownout? What Basically, his block lost power. Oh, oh. I got you. <clears throat> okay. So the whole thing hinges on one guy in Brazil. Apparently. To not have a brownout. Yeah. Wow. But he was, Backup plans yeah. work a lot of times. Well, <laughs> might be a little closer. They race again. They race <laughs> again. a good place. They, get, they, they race again in a week and a half. I'll be posting about it on my social there media. We I want to see the. Uh, yeah, I want to see that because I want to watch it live. Las Vegas. There yeah. you go. All right. Dale Jr., you'll be in Kansas City this Saturday for an autograph session at the World of Wheels show. That will be from noon to 2 p.m. on Saturday. Go to autorama.com. For more information. Come I'm, see us. There's so many cool people that come through the line. You know who you goes through the line? It's the kind of guys that need to save their marriage with an autograph. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's some very interesting items that they want you to autograph. Like what? Well, this I mean, there was this giant fishing lure. 
Whoa. Right? What? There was a huge giant fishing lure. Um, like how big? Probably two, three feet bit long. Oh, my goodness. I have no idea. I'm not, I mean. Yeah. yeah. We're not exactly the anglers. Of it was the, like a Mountain Dew fishing lure. <laughs> as they are, as you would expect. Yeah. And nothing like a Mountain Dew fishing lure. Uh, Anyhow, well, okay. I'm I would like to take Lee and capture that content there and you go. share with everybody what's going on. All right. Uh, last thing, NASCAR heads to Atlanta this week. Dale Jr. reminds me of a particular win in 2004. I was just remember, wondering if you remembered anything about that race when you won Atlanta. It was your one victory at Atlanta, I, right? Yeah, past. Do I remember anything? Do you remember who finished behind you? Yeah. Like right behind you? Uh, yeah, I think um, Jeremy Mayfield. Yes, he remembers. Rain Man delivers. Yeah. Do you remember who led the most laps that day? Tony Stewart. Yes, he remembers. You do remember these races. That was a good time. I tried to tell you. Lot- <laughs> I tried to tell you. Well, that was it for White Flag. What do you got to close us out, Dale? Well, Mike, you know what we have at Atlanta this weekend? The new package. I just want to Oh, that's it. right. We do. I know you love talking Let's packages. start over and talk about it some yeah. more. And that's it, Dale. Final thoughts? I got something. Came oh, in. Leah? Came in on social. Big fan of the show, but he's criticizing us. Oh. Some some cat named Ron Caps. Oh. NHRA drag <laughs> Ron Caps. Yep, he says he's glad to have the new Dale Jr. download on his DVR, but he has to say he misses the couch. What oh. the world? Come oh, on, Caps. Because he hasn't sat on it. So here, here's the story, Ron. So we wanted to keep the couch, but we had this new employee named <laughs> Leah, and she said. If I'm here, that thing's got to go, and so we got rid of the couch, Ron. That's All what happened. My fault, Ron. She's got your trophy and you uh, no couch. We got no couch. She's got <laughs> blame your trophy from blame Leah. Yeah. <laughs> so Ron Caps is really criticizing us for. Yeah. All right. I've yeah. seen a couple people in there saying they missed the couch. I gotta say, man, this room's badass, and I love the table. Way I better. Too. Yes. I'll, Take that, Ron. There you go, Ron. <laughs> I appreciate everybody for tuning in. I want to thank Tony Stewart for coming all the way over here on a busy busy schedule uh, to be part of our show. And remember, uh, you can listen uh, to this in uh, podcast form, but we also are on NBCSN, 5 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll talk to you next week. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.